you've got your Bibles there, we are gonna, we're going to read a fair bit of the Bible today. And um, if you've got your Bibles there, you might want to put a um, finger in Galatians 5 and John 15. And these are passages that we've read a number of times over the last nine weeks. Maybe some of you have actually memorized them. Maybe not, but you know them well. But I want to read them to you as we conclude this series. So we're going to start in Galatians. So Galatians chapter 5, and we are going to read a little bit more of the extended part of it. And we're going to read from verse 16 to 26, and then we're going to flip over to John chapter 15. It says this, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit is what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity... Debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. John chapter 15 verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Some of you are thinking about the pet parade right now, aren't you? (laughs) If I wasn't leaving, I wouldn't have said that. (laughs) Okay, class, attention. Let's get back to it. Verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, 
that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that, you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no other than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. Wow. So we reached the last week of our series that we've called What's Under Your Skin. A focus on the fruit of the Spirit, these Christ-like characteristics that are listed on the screen there. What is under your skin? The character, in a sense, that's under you that comes out, that people see. That's lived out in your life. Whether it's at school whether it's at university, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the retirement village, wherever it might be. You know, as Pete uh, Clark shared so well, if you haven't listened to that message, I'd encourage you to, to get hold of a copy of that or uh, you can get it on our website to listen to. As, as Pete shared last week, that these nine... These are nine characteristics that are listed, but in fact, they are one. It's not going, well, I'm going to choose goodness, but I'm going to avoid kindness. No, 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 it's one. And Pete put a picture like this up on the, on the screen that's just going to pop up, thanks, Dawn, of a banana plant or herb, as we heard last week, full of different colours, all parts of this, this uh, herb that produces a banana, but there's a lot to it. But in the end, it's the banana. In the end, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not just goodness, it's not just faithfulness, but it's all in one. And as we've just heard then, it all starts when we want to produce this fruit by remaining in Christ. That's, that's the start, that's the middle, that's the end. That's where it is. How is your relationship with Jesus Christ will be revealed by your fruit? I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Remain in me. Don't let go like the dog with the bone, trying to get it out of its mouth. Impossible. Remain in the vine. Nothing's going to pull me away. Because the more I remain in the vine, the more fruit will come. You just can't stop it. So the one job, remain in the vine. As we see with Paul, and if you get a chance to read through that passage again in Galatians chapter 5, you will see the contrast that he puts there. To avoid the works of the flesh per se... The immoralities, the jealousy, the, the uh, hatred, the envy. Avoid all those things because there's serious consequences if you, in a sense, invest in them. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
but rather be characterised not by works, but by be marked by the fruit of the Spirit. That's Christian living. That's spiritual maturity. You know, the first week, and Pete mentioned it again last week, we did a little bit of an assessment of how we're going in those areas in our life, those fruit of the Spirit. And I encourage you to revisit that. Someone's trying to get hold of someone. But encourage you to revisit that. To weigh yourself, how, how am I going in these areas? Because really, if any of those are low, if we're really honest, and I'm honest with you here, it's got a lot to do with your relationship with God and remaining in Him. And nobody else can develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life. I can encourage you. I can encourage you to be more peaceful, to be more faithful, to show more patience, to be more gentle. But it's you and your relationship with the living God. So today we look at love, the first listed, the last one that we want to look at, but in many ways the most important one. And I could do a whole series on love. I could talk about God's love for the next ever, really. I could challenge us about over the next five or six weeks, how then do we show his love? But we don't have the time to do that. So this morning I want to speak about God's love in maybe a little bit of a different way that I hope might encourage us this morning, might encourage you where you find yourself. But also I want to then give you two little points at the end of how this fruit of love can grow in your life. On January the 25th, 1992 was a very significant day in my life. It was the day that I married Sonia Lush. After being grilled for many years, many used to treat her like fine silver, I arrived at the church thinking, I love this girl. Madly in love. And I can remember her walking down the aisle, looking stunning. Gee, I was a pretty good looking rooster back then, wasn't I? But anyway. <laughs> so I knew you were beautiful too, of course. But... And the preacher saying to me, will you marry her? Through good times and in bad, all those. And I could not get I do out quick enough. For Son, it was a bit different, I guess. No, I'm joking. And I remember still walking down that aisle afterwards and just thinking, we are husband and wife. And I thought, this must be what love is like. It's still so clear in my mind, so clear. Five years later, we uh, welcomed a little boy into our life. And I remember that experience and just thinking, I didn't think I could love Son more than I did at, on that day, but I found myself just in awe and just in more in love. And I think I put the quote of one of my heroes up there, Forrest Gump. I may not be a smart man, but I know what love is. And love is the foundation, in many ways, on what everything is built upon. You know, I, I still love Son so very much, and I'm willing to do anything for her, except 
the bathroom, and I'm never going to do that, just to give you a heads up. <laughs> but, but everything else, I think, you know, if that's what Son wants, and I, I will do that because I love her. I really do. Just don't hold that totally every day. But anyway, but in, in all seriousness, that, that's my commitment to her. I want to give myself fully to her. Because all of us, in many ways, need to be loved. We want to be loved. The Beatles made a lot of money out of that song. All you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love is all you need. You know, people search for love to find love. This deep affection, this strong feeling of deep affection, where you can have great interest in someone and they've got a great interest in you. That's not just husband and wife, but that's just general love. And we were created to be loved. First by God, hear that, first by God and then by others. As we've tried our best working through this series, one of the things we've tried to do as we've looked at these different characteristics is acknowledge that the character of God has these, each one of these in who he is. This is who his character is. And that's the same when it comes to love. I thought to myself, how best do I reveal this to you? And I thought, well, Tim, don't you reveal it. Let the Bible reveal it to them. So I want to read some passages to you because this is the best place to go to read of God's love. So let me just read a few to you and don't get angry if I didn't read your favourite one because there's lots. But let's start with Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 14.9, we love because he first loved us. Ephesians 2 But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Psalm 86.15 But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness Psalm 136 verse 26 give thanks to the God of heaven for his for his steadfast which is a love that doesn't fluctuate like a lot of our human love does but his steadfast love endures for ever talk over the rain ever Romans 8. (laughs) If you own a fish, you bring it today. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, I hope you remember this message and not that we can 
pet farm walk or whatever. But anyway, <laughs> let's come back, Tim. Romans 8, 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus. Folks, if you don't remember anything else, just write that passage down and take it with you. One of my favourite songs highlights the depth of this love. I am not going to sing it or we'll ruin the moment. But how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders, ashamed I hear my mocking voice called out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there. Until it was accomplished, his dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gift, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, his love for me in this act. Why, why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. Through his love, his wounds have paid my ransom. I think many of us who are here today would say, that's my testimony. That's my belief. You know, Billy Graham, at the service he led straight after the 9-11 tragedy, he said this, The cross tells us that God understands our sin and our suffering, for he took it upon himself in the person of Jesus Christ. From the cross, Jesus declares, God declares, sorry, God declares, I love you. I know the heartaches and the sorrows and the pains that you feel, but I love you. You know, there is no doubting in my heart of hearts that God is a God of love. That is who he is. We were created to be loved first by God and then by others. You know, psychologists have long recognised that being loved is one of our basic human needs. That we thrive so much when we feel that we are loved no matter our age. And which is then not surprising that we devote so much of our lives learning how to love and tried trying to make ourselves to be lovable. Just this week, I went to Amazon.com and I typed in love 
Well, initially I got uh, uh, some very strange books on, on love with interesting covers. So then I typed in how best to love and all these sorts, and all sorts of books came up. Self-help books on love. One of those is The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And I looked that up and over 10 million copies of that book has been sold. What is your love language? How do I show you that love language? How are you going showing me that love language? Talking between friends, what is that person's love language? There are thousands and thousands of books that want to teach us how to love, how best to love someone else, how to be attractive so others will love us. But here's what happens since we all need to be loved. Once we discover what others are attracted to, we work really hard to make ourselves lovable even in that area. Here's what I've noticed over time, that people do the same when it comes to to seeking God's love. That we're convinced that God finds us most attractive and lovable when we're really, really good. When we're successful. When we follow the rules. When we do everything right and we do everything well. And we're tolerant, tolerant we're respectful to others. We demonstrate good strength of character and commitment. And I don't say those things are bad. Don't hear that. Oh, Tim said I don't have to be so respectful. I'm not saying that at all. There's nothing wrong with those things, but it can be a trap. And I sense in a room this big, some of you are caught in that trap. That we can push ourselves to a point with these sort of things when we think this is what God requires of me so he will love me. We actually push ourselves away from his love. We give up. We think, I'm just unlovable. There's no way that he can love me like I am. Because it's only in a sense when I'm attractive, God will love me. So here's the thought I want to leave with you today. To consider this. Just maybe, just maybe... God is attracted to weakness. That God is attracted to weakness. That instead of being attracted to strength and success and how hard we try, that instead it's our weakness where God loves. As we look through the Bible, we start to notice the people that God loves, that in fact he's attracted to. Think of Jacob, who was a liar and a cheat. We think of Moses, who was a fugitive, a murderer, with a speech impediment. We think of Rahab, who was a prostitute. We think of Gideon, who at times was a bit of a coward. We think of David, who was an adulterer and a murderer. Zacchaeus, this vertically challenged tax collector that no one trusted. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. Peter was inconsistent. And Paul claimed to be the worst of all sinners. And then I think about 
my life and I hope that some of you think about your life and you think about your weaknesses and you think about your shortcomings and you realise that God still loves me despite all of those weaknesses. That God is actually attracted to my weaknesses. I love the way the author Jim um, Simbola puts it in his book, uh, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. He says, I discovered an astonishing truth. God is attracted to weakness. He can't resist those who humbly and honestly admit how desperately they need him. I think this is a really important truth that we take hold of as we seek to remain in God's love. Remember, it's the bearing fruit will come. Not by how hard we try just to try and be good. We will bear fruit when we remain in Christ. When we recognise that we are weak and we trust him to produce that fruit of love, joy, peace, patience. It's when we admit our weakness and we desperately need the love of Jesus for that fruit of love to start to grow in our hearts. Now, for that to happen, for that fruit of of love to grow and for us to experience the love of God, there's two things I want to put out here today as we finish this series up. The first one is to be quiet and listen. It starts by listening. I talk a lot. We talk a lot. We average, at least for men, we average 20,000 words a day. You're thinking, is he going to give us the other statistic? (laughs) No. (laughs) Folks, there's nothing wrong with talking. But sometimes we talk so much, we have trouble listening. Listening to one another, even. Someone's talking to you, and you're not really listening, you're already thinking about your response to them. But sometimes we are so busy talking that we have trouble listening to God and what He wants to say to us. One of the best ways that He does speak to us is in His Word. For some of us, we open it on Sunday and that's it. And if the minister only uses a couple of verses, that's it. One of the best ways that God wants to speak into your life is for you to open his word and not to blow the dust out of it. Exactly. Oh boy. If you're visiting for the first time, sorry. But I think that thunder is to say, yes, that's true. Open my word. I want to speak to you through it. I, 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 I listen to it 
every day. Someone reads it to me and I listen to it. I open it. I, I, want, I want God to speak to me through it. That's not tickets on me. I just believe that's the way to go. He wants to, And so many times when I read it and I listen to it, it's revealed to me again and again of how much he loves me through how he reveals his love to those names of people that I just shared with you. And I think that's the same love that he has for me as he has for you. Despite all your weaknesses, despite all your life choices. I would hope as, as I finish up here, you'll go, well, one thing I do remember of Tim, he talked about God's love for me. Over the last few weeks, I've watched a few Billy Graham videos and um, some of his messages and, and talks and interviews on Larry King Live on CNN and a few different places. And um, numbers of things that I've seen and including a number of quotes. And one of the things you notice with Billy Graham is that the focus was so much on the love of God for you. And he said, one, he said, I'm convinced the greatest act of love we can ever perform for people is to tell them about God's love for them in Christ. What a great quote. I know it's not on those ones and keep those there, Dawn, but I want to read this to you again. I'm convinced the greatest act of love we can ever perform to people is to tell them about God's love for them in Christ. But he also has these two. God's love is unchangeable. He knows exactly what we are and loves us anyway. But this is the one, as I thought about listening, stopping and listening. God is sending forth his message of love, but you must be tuned in. Have you ever been in a car where the radio is just like one or two off? That crackle noise? You ever had that? Some of us, it's crackling and we've got to tune back in just, just a little. Some of you, you're way on the wrong station. But some of us, we need to just turn it a little bit because God is sending forth his message of love. You must tune in. You must be willing to listen and to receive his message and then obey it. We'll get to that last bit in just a second. If you want to abide in Jesus' love, you have to become weak. Not give up weak. But stop trying so hard. Stop and listen. Last one here that I want to share with you as we finish up. Let me just read you these passages. Sorry, I just want to read these to you. This is how, how God feels about you and I. This is in Malachi verse one, chapter 1. Before we do anything lovable in the midst of our messiness and weakness, God says, I have loved you, says the Lord. Isaiah, 20, uh, Isaiah 54.10 Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. will not be shaken. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. The second thing that I took out of actually that quote from Billy Graham and just worked a few points to it is the second point is obey him. And this is a, this is a challenge for us, to obey him. Jesus makes this clear in some passages in uh, John chapter 14. 
where, where Jesus says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. My father will love him and we will come to him and make, him, make our home with him. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. When we obey his commands, we remain in his love. Here's the command. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Just as we read in the Bible, we see how Jesus interacted with those that they would class unlovely, those who were the untouchable, those who were the unwanted, love them. Just as we read through the Bible and as Jesus moved among the little children, those who were his enemies, those who wanted to take him out, as Jesus loved them, love those in your life too. Love sacrificially and unconditionally, for that is my love towards you. Jesus, as we read through the Bible, humbled himself every day in the way that he treated and loved people. When he didn't have to, but he did. He is the perfect model of love. That's why it's so important for us to be in his word. So we can learn from that model. So we can see the love of God through the Old Testament as well. Time and time and time again. For me at the moment in my readings, I'm going through Leviticus and Numbers. And that can, that can at times be a bit of a heavy read. But as I read through that again, I keep seeing the love of God there. Over and over again. Inexclusive love. Every day, Jesus chose to consider everybody, at, everybody better than himself. Such was his love. And that's the love that he calls for you and I to show. But I know that this is not an easy command to obey. Because if you've ever noticed, not everyone is so loving and patient and gracious and kind as you. Have you ever noticed that? Well, I have. People are hard to love at times. Life would be so much easier if everyone could be as lovable as me. Are there people that as you think about the love challenge just come straight to mind? I'm sure some of you are picturing them right now. Don't look at them. <laughs> but... Some people can be very hard to love at times. Jesus says, here's my command, go and love. That's it. Love everybody. And it's mighty easy to stand up here as the pastor and tell you to do it. It's very easy words to speak. But this is the command that Jesus gave. I speak on his behalf.
Draw yourself closer to Jesus if you're not close enough. When there's people, as you think about it right now, that you struggle to love, you need to get closer in your relationship with Jesus. Remain closer to him. Draw yourself nearer to him. Here's the thing. My testimony would be this, and I'm sure others would be the same. The closer you are to him, the easier it is to love. Not just love for the day, but genuine love. Christ-like love. Even when those people don't show you the love back. When I take the time to listen and I begin to realise that the love that Jesus has for me, when I come to the realisation of that, I begin to produce time and time and time again this love. I'm able to love those who are can be a challenge to love. As Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, as I've said a number of times in Romans, he says this, God has poured out his love into your, his love, his love into your hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. God has, God's love poured into our, our, our heart, into our skin, under our skin to pour out into others. Even when we might think by my own strength, it's impossible. No, I can. I, I don't know all the details, but I've read it a number of times. The story of Corey Temboom. Some of you might know that story. That she was in, in church one day and the, and the, and the um, SS officer from the Nazi Germany walked into that church that had done horrible things and that And she says at that time, it was not my love, but it was the love of God that I was able to express to this man because my love wouldn't have done it. But it's the love of God where I could forgive this man. She was remaining in Christ. And it's amazing what you can do when that takes place. It's the work of his spirit in us coming out. You know, for, for me, even in the last few weeks, I've had one or two of those experiences and it's the most rewarding experience you can have. How great is the love of the Father that has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. And if we're children of God, it's our call to love as he first loved us. God has adopted you. He's adopted me and has offered to us an invitation to remain in his love. What a, what a great gift that is. If that's what you need to take with you today, take that with you. That's what you need to hear today. But for some of it's that challenge because I've loved you, love others. That is my command. Bear much fruit of my love as the father has loved me that's how I love you now remain in my love let me pray this is my command to love one another God I believe that that is a a word for some of us that we need to hear today 
For some, it's to, to step out more, to make changes to those that we find impossible to love right now, who we avoid, who we get frustrated by, who we just don't like. But yet as we're here and we're a follower of yours, that's not good enough. That's showing disobedience to your command. So my prayer would be for those people as they've sat here this morning, they've thought about that, they actually acknowledge that. That first and foremost, they would cling themselves back to you. So they are remaining, abiding in you. For when this takes place, that love for those then people becomes easier. My prayer would be too for those who are here this morning who feel like just generally that they are unlovely. That no one loves them. That they would be able to take today your love with them. This steadfast love. For I pray this in your precious name. Amen.